Today's episode is sponsored by Tigo. For most of us, indemnity insurance is one of our biggest costs of practice. But when was the last time you took a look at the coverage and compared your premium with others? Many of us are still with the same insurer we joined in med school or intern year. Thousands of doctors have made the switch to Tigo and benefited from their personalised approach to pricing. You will also get an extra two months free in your first year. If you are new to private practice, you might even qualify for four years of discounted premiums. Tigo offers competitive premiums, quality cover and 24-7 support backed by top medico-legal advisors. Get a free quote and discover why thousands of doctors are insured by Tigo by visiting tigo.com.au. Hello listeners and welcome to Deep Breaths, a podcast covering topics related to the Part 2 anaesthetic exam. I'm Dr. Kate Steele. And I'm Dr. Kate McCrossan, and today's episode is I've Got You Under My Skin, where we'll discuss allergy testing for anaesthetic drugs with special guest Dr. Annabelle Harricks. As always in this podcast, we represent our own views and not those of our employers or ANSCA. Dr. Annabelle Harricks is a staff specialist at the Royal Brisbane and Women's Hospital, where she has been conducting specialist allergy testing for seven years. Her other interests include regional anaesthesia and acute pain management. When not at work, she enjoys spending time with her family. Annabelle, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So, Annabelle, let's go from the beginning. How do anaesthetists in your institution or elsewhere go about referring a patient for allergy testing? So, the first port of call should be to consult the ANZAG website, which provides details of testing centres by area. Um, They also list the referral requirements of each centre. Um, At the Royal Brisbane Hospital, we like the referring clinician to discuss their reason for referring, uh, either verbally or via email, so that we can get an overall picture of their impression of events. We also like to ensure that they have advised the patient uh, and provided them with relevant information um, and suggest they complete a WebAIRS notification as we don't fill these out as part of our service. We also like to ensure, obviously, that um, relevant triptases have been taken. Um, Subsequent to this, uh, if testing appears warranted, we usually request a completed ANZAG referral form, um, which can be downloaded from the ANZAG website, uh, and a copy of the patient's anaesthetic record. Uh, There is also, on the ANZAG website, a patient letter template and an information leaflet about allergy testing. So we suggest that's a good thing to give the patient um, and ideally uh, a copy of the letter if that could be sent to the GP because often there's a bit of a delay obviously between the time of referral and um, getting them in for testing. Yeah, Yeah. I suspect that you're probably a hot commodity. There's not a lot of sort of time and space that's allocated to allergy testing. So I'm sure it does take time to process everything and actually get people in. So that's fair enough. Yeah. Yep. So um, I, have, I have a question. Mm. Can you just remind us what the trip taste times are again, please? Because I always <laughs> think that. Um, so not to one hour, four hours and 24 hours. Okay. All right, cool. Um, and another question. So basically in terms of letting the patient know, you would give them a list of everything they were given as part of that anaesthetic and just say that they need to be cautious until – until they've had their testing done. Yes, that's yeah. right. So yeah. when we test, um, we tend to test everything that they have received because um, any of them is a potential candidate, even though we know that uh, often like a muscle relaxant or antibiotic mm. are the sort of top culprits, mm. um, but anything is potential cause. 
Um, and then when it comes to testing, sometimes they may have been re-exposed to like propofol or fentanyl if they've had subsequent surgery. Mm. In which case, yeah, so that's ruled that out as a cause if they've not had any problems Yeah, okay. on re-exposure. Okay. Um, we also advise that the patient should be advised to carry the letter on their person. For example, if they were in an accident, it would be good if they have it in their bag. Yeah. So AMQAS or ambulance service can um, see the details uh, and also to show it to any clinician involved in their care. That makes perfect sense. Thank you. And thank you for the triptase reminders because, you know, <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so how do you go about triaging the referrals? Are there any particular features of a patient or a suspected episode of anaphylaxis that would lead you to maybe prioritising one patient over another for testing? Because it's, mm. you know, I know with this service it's run one day a week and, you know, it's not an endless capacity. So, no. Yeah. Um, yeah, so skin testing is usually delayed for six weeks mm -hmm. um, post-reaction. Occasionally, if, it's, if they're awaiting urgent surgery, we might do it at four weeks, but interpret the results with caution. Um, and that's to reduce the risk of false negative results because during the reaction, they will often have depleted reserves of histamine. Uh, ideally, it should be perform performed within six months of the reaction occurring again to reduce the incidence of false negatives. Um, but in terms of prioritising patients, we would look at are they still awaiting surgery, for example, if mm -hmm. the surgery had to be abandoned, yeah, that makes um, sense. and then the urgency of that surgery, and um, in particular, say, if, if they have a cancer and they're awaiting cancer surgery. Um, and also, if they've had a, a severe reaction, we like to get them in sooner rather than later. Yeah, that's fair enough. Now, once the referral has been made, what process do you then go through? Um, so once we receive the referral, it's reviewed and we seek out extra information for the patient records, which in our hospital, largely electronic. The patient is also contacted to discuss what happened, um, discuss what testing entails, and to arrange an appointment for skin testing. Um, and at this point, we also ensure that they have the documentation mm. relating to the reaction and potential triggers. Um, and then sometimes based on our discussion with the patient, we may also request patient charts from other hospitals. Uh, and then obviously reviewing the story in more depth um, allows us to... Um, it provides information on which drugs should be tested. Yeah, okay. Um, out of curiosity, is there ever a time where you review all of this and you're just like, nah, there's no chance they've had a react? Do you know, does that ever happen? Or is it like, well, if someone thought something was going on, we better test? Uh, yes, so sometimes, as you say, there's many other things that could explain it. Um, mm. For example, like bronchospasm in a smoker um, or and who's a known asthmatic mm. Um we that is partly why we like the referrer to discuss with us either verbally or email because we do go off i guess the vibe of them that, like what their impression was like yeah. you know for them to have discuss it with you in the first place you know there's a suspicion that allergy mm -hmm. could have been the cause yeah. um and even you know we get some stories which as you say you think that's unlikely but um Often we, or usually we do test um, just apart from anything because often they've been labelled as allergic mm. and then it's affecting the behaviour of, you know, subsequent anaesthetists. So just even to put the patient's mind at rest and to just give a safe plan going forward. 
I'm actually curious on that topic. Do you get many patients that you see that end up sort of testing negative to what they've previously been told they're allergic to and end up sort of having a de-escalation of the alert system in their medical records and things like that? Um, We get a few. um, But as I said, often it might be historic. And as I said, uh, the incidence of false negatives goes up after six months. Okay, fair enough. I guess depending on the severity of the initial reaction, we would still kind of interpret, um, I guess, a negative with caution. Yeah, that's understandable. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I think, you know, this is not unnecessary, unless they've had penicillin in Mm. the anaesthetic, but I know that they started a penicillin allergy testing clinic where Annabelle and I work. Mm. And it's something that was at 99% of patients aren't allergic to penicillin. That's... Wow, that's spectacular. Yeah. 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 You know, every think, patient, you know, I mean, every second patient tells you, oh, you've got a penicillin allergy. I don't know what it was. I was a kid. And when mm. you test them, it's, it's yeah. yeah there is, I think, a delabeling clinic. And I don't know how much yes. actual testing yeah. they do, but they review, like, all the history. And mm. as you say, they can rule out a fairly high proportion of people. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. allergic because... Obviously, yeah. it narrows the um, options for them otherwise. Yeah, fair enough. I must admit, I do. Sometimes I find it very frustrating when you're going through the process of asking someone if they have any allergies and they say, yes, I'm allergic to, let's say, adrenaline. That's one of my favourites. Yeah. Um, and then when you actually probe them, it's it's either just a side effect or it's some sort of – my all-time favourite is when you have people that have had – dental blocks put in Mm. and they say oh i got really my heart rate got really fast and my blood pressure went up and Mm, i was told it was an allergic reaction and you're like no sweetheart you just had an intravascular (laughs) injection (laughs) i've had that too you know and it's yeah but i think the reason it makes me frustrated is because it's obviously not an allergic reaction and Mm. they've been told it is Mm, and now suddenly Everything you do the second they go into hospital is different. I just find it very irresponsible. Mm. So it's one of my personal bugbears. Mm. But, um, so you're a fan of allergy testing. Yes, yes, I am. Yes, I am. And actually, Annabelle and I have had a few conversations in the past about yeah, this, we haven't have. we? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're going back to sort of our patient journey, I guess. So you've organised your patient to come in uh, for skin testing. Uh, are there any specific instructions for that patient leading up to their testing? Uh, and we've already discussed how long it should be from their last anaesthetic. So ideally six weeks to six months. Um, is that correct? Yeah. That's right. right. Yes. And it's the, you know, the time post-reaction that's mm. most important rather than interval from last ah, anaesthetic. Okay, um, yeah, okay. Yeah, that makes because sense. many will already have had subsequent anaesthetics. As I said, for example, if they had urgent surgery, which was abandoned mm. at the time, they'll often have had a sort of trigger-free anaesthetic like a few days later. Yeah, okay. Okay, cool. All right. And so any, um, any instructions for your patient specifically? Um, so our patients are advised um, to take no antihistamines in the four days leading up to allergy testing as they can produce false negatives. Um, and there are some other medications such as some antidepressants and antiemetics that may also influence uh, testing results but that are um, impractical or unsafe to cease for testing. Um, they're also advised not to fast, um, just so there's no confusion if they feel a bit funny or faint. <laughs> that's As a very good point. Yeah. yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah. Okie dokie. So now we've made it to the day of testing. Where do you actually perform the tests and what sort of setup process do you go through? 
Okay, so um, each testing centre obviously has their own setup, but at the Royal Brisbane and Women's Hospital, we have a weekly testing session, which is performed in our um, PACU, or post-anesthetic care unit, uh, where we use their space, but they, we don't use their nurses. Um, so it's just the doctor who's testing. Uh, we have a team of four people who can perform testing and we take it in turns. Um Preparation for the actual testing involves drawing up dilute solutions of drugs of interest uh, and, in the case of muscle relaxants, uh, alternative drugs. Our testing is predominantly intradermal with some skin prick testing uh, and occasional subcutaneous challenge in the case of local anaesthetics. Uh, testing can be performed on the back or the forearm, with the back being my preferred site, um, generally just because there's more space. Consent is performed on the day, uh, although when we send them their appointment letter, we also send um, some information regarding the testing. Uh, so testing is very safe uh, and a cannula is not routinely put in for skin testing. Uh, however, there have been some rare case reports of deaths where testing has occurred in like out-of-hospital settings. Mm. So uh, that's why we like to perform the testing in an area where we can promptly treat any potential reaction. Mm -hmm. Drugs are usually tested at an initial non-irritant concentration. Mm. Um, and then repeated at a higher maximum irritant concentration. And we also use a negative control and a positive control. Because of testing at sort of the different concentrations, often the patients are with us for about 60 to 90 minutes because we have to wait about 20 minutes from the initial point of injection to then reading the result. So skin pick tests involve putting a droplet of solution on the skin and passing either a lancet or needle through that and then monitoring for a wheel. And then intradermal testing is actual little injections under the skin with very fine needle, like on, on an insulin syringe. Um, and then on top of that, we may also perform blood tests to add more clinical information, such as a baseline triptase or for rest for muscle relaxants, chlorhexidine and latex. Okay. So just back to something you said previously, Annabelle, that you can use different concentrations of the potential culprit drugs when mm. you're doing your intradermal testing. Do you do those different con concentrations at the same time or do you do a second round of testing for the higher concentration formulation? How does it actually work in that respect? So we do the um, – we usually start with a negative and positive control and then we would do a skin prick test potentially for like the antibiotic or muscle relaxant before then proceeding on to the intradermal Okay. Testing. Okay, so, so then you do the initial and then follow up. Okay, yes. Cool. So you want to wait and see if it looks like it's going to be a positive on the skin prick test. We wouldn't then proceed to do an intradermal test because um, you're That's essentially giving... the bear, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Poking <laughs> the bear, essentially. <laughs> um, and similarly, you know, I start with a lower concentration and then want to wait to see that that's not going to be a positive before then proceeding to the higher concentration. Yeah, that's fair enough. But we do do it, generally we do it in one session. Okay, and just the other thing you said that I thought was interesting was that you test the drugs of interest, which I assume are the drugs that were given you know, mm. as part of the anaesthetic, but with muscle relaxants you test all of them, is that right? Generally? Yes, Yeah, generally, okay. Yeah. But it, say there was fentanyl as part of the anaesthetic, would you also then test like morphine and oxy or you would just test what they were given? Just what they were given, yeah. yeah. So, um, I mean, I guess what happens if a patient tests positive or how do you know if a patient's tested positive? Is there such thing as an indeterminate test? And then what happens then? 
Okay. Um, so uh, specific criteria need to be met to be labelled as a positive. Um, for example, in the positive intradermal test, you demonstrate a persistent wheel uh, at 20 minutes, which must be a certain size. Uh, often with some surrounding redness or flare, although the flare is not actually required for it to be labelled as a positive. Um, if the wheel is less than the size required for a positive, but it hasn't disappeared, then it's labelled as equivocal. And then that must be interpreted really in the context of the clinical scenario. Some drugs are known to have a, high, a fairly high rate of false positives. Like and again, what, for example? Um on Dancitron oh, often really? comes up as a false positive. Okay, yeah. yeah, and um, of the muscle relaxants, the ones that are already known to cause histamine release, so like mivacurium and, yeah, okay. and um, yeah. atricurium. That's understandable. That makes yeah. sense. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, yeah, so obviously, again, we have to interpret with caution and occasionally we repeat the test at the time to confirm consistency of results. Um, in the case of a positive reaction, which is congruent with the clinical scenario, then it's very important to advise the patient of the results and take steps that they're not re-exposed to that allergen. Um, so that involves a few steps. So obtaining a medical alert device, such as a bracelet or a necklace, entering the information into the emergency medical information section that's available on some smartphones or smartphone apps. We also provide a wallet card stating the results just so they can have something definitely on their person because um, I do find that occasionally like I ring them up a month later and they've still not taken any steps to get a medical alert device. Oh, bless their hearts. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm planning on having yeah. an operation anytime soon. <laughs> Providing a letter to the patient. So we usually give something fairly brief on the day and then a more detailed letter later on, which we also advise them to, again, show to any medical practitioners involved in their care. And then we send copies of that letter to their GP, usually to the referring anaesthetist and the relevant surgeon at the time, um, and also uh, to medical records of the hospitals that they might uh, frequent just because not all hospitals are obviously digita digitised. Um, and then sort of notification on the systems. <laughs> Ours would be one of those hospitals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, but then sort of notification in the system. So mm. for us, IMR, which, and, and then the viewer and into Windscribe or ARC, which is what we have in our hospital. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and TGA notification as oh. well. Okay. Right. Fair enough. Mm. Now, out of curiosity, is there ever a situation in which a patient needs to be retested? So, um, occasionally, if the results are very unexpected, we may get a patient to return for repeat testing, um, particularly if there is a modifiable factor. For example, they might have taken an antihistamine three days ago or something like that. Mm. And they, you know, if they had come from like six hours away, I would not cancel them i would yeah, do the testing but interpret yeah. with caution yeah that's fair enough which may have contributed to the results so sometimes there are many drugs to be tested is the other thing and as we generally test all the drugs the patient has been exposed to as i said previously so occasionally that's done over a couple of mm. sessions that's fair um, and then mm. sometimes information comes to light which means that we need to test additional drugs which aren't immediately available um, and then in the case of local anaesthetic challenges, you can only sort of do one at a time. So if you're wanting mm. to clear mm. a couple, say 
you know what they've been exposed to already yeah but then also um potentially uh, anesthetic reaction uh, sorry <laughs> local anesthetic drug which you know is going to be used yeah. say for an epidural or for a particular surgery of like, course you know um, then they might come back on another day but you only you can only do one at a time because obviously mm. if they react you don't know if the reactions to, you know you yeah, need to know the reaction is to one specific drug yeah mm. that's fair yeah. enough yeah mm. Um, and so is there any further follow-up required from the testing perspective once you've done all those steps? Um, so we do liaise closely with our immunology department for tricky cases or where the scenario is suggestive of an immunological condition. Um, we also, in our centre, we don't test antibiotics further. So anyone who either tested positive for antibiotic or who has tested negative to everything but has a strong story uh, because you, again with antibiotics you there's a reasonably high false negative rate then um, you might refer them on to immunology to have further challenging makes sense i have also on occasion referred to other services for consideration of other conditions for example to the malignant hypothermia yeah. um, service where there's been an unclear historic reaction to succinethonium Okay, that makes sense. Mm. So I'm curious, have you ever seen a referral where in hindsight uh, the patient should have been referred after a, after a previous anaesthetic? And is there any pattern that you've noticed in that respect? Occasionally you see cases where they have previously had mild bronchospasm or like mild hypertension, mm. which hasn't really been sufficient to raise suspicion of anaphylaxis. Uh, or can easily be explained by other patient or operative factors. Um, I have had a couple of cases referred where the patient had hypotension with every rock uranium oh, dose really? oh, within I a case. Seen that yeah, and um, I mean, okay. one was positive, mm. um, and a couple of other negatives. And but yeah, I'd say probably the majority of cases there've been no preceding signs, mm. and often the patient's quite surprised because they've said, you know, I've had multiple anaesthetics and never had a problem. Yeah, mm. yeah. Oh gosh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I've certainly seen that like little bit of um, hypotension with rock, but. Um, Sometimes there are other reasons for that, right? Too, they start shuffling around or coughing, and yeah. yeah. So anyway, uh, so look, on, I'm just interested on a personal slash professional level. How have you enjoyed taking on the portfolio of allergy testing in your department? Because it is sort of like a, it's clinical. It's almost like a paraclinical kind of discipline, and it's something different. Um, would you recommend it to uh, you know registrars coming through who are looking for career diversification? And open disclosure, I'm listening very carefully to this as well because I have a personal interest, so okay, yep. proceed. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I found it personally very interesting. It was offered to me from someone who was leaving um, and I just thought, oh, that, yeah, that's interesting and sort of unlike anything we do in our sort of day-to-day -day mm. anaesthetic life, um, not knowing at the time that I took it on, you know, what exactly it involved. Um, but I like that it's different from theatre work and... Um, and also both the patients and the referring doctors are often very appreciative of you being able to shed a bit more light on what happened yeah, um, of and, you know, plan for a lot of them are very scared about having another anaesthetic. Mm. So it's oh, nice to be able yeah, to give them an answer and, you know, plan for the next anaesthetic. Occasionally yeah. it, it can all be <laughs> a bit puzzling, so you yeah, can't give course. them a clear cut answer, but um but generally, yeah, you can, you know, give some information which reduces their anxiety about yeah, the subsequent anaesthetic. Yeah. 
Other than that, you know, it's quite nice. It's like one-to-one. You can take your time a little bit and, you know. It's something a bit different to Mm. the daily Mm. show up to theatre, draw up drugs, although technically you are still doing that. We are doing that. That is the tedious aspect of us drawing up all the drug dilutions. Actually, before we finish off, I do have one question about Mm. the way that the drugs are drawn up. So obviously you prepare your own testing samples yourself. Yes. Um, And how how is that? Do you do it on the day or can you pre-prepare and keep uh, a drug? drug vial that you can or a vial with the solution that you can use for several tests or like how does it all work no so you can we do it on the day i believe it's about six hours you can keep it once it's drawn up okay Um, so in theory you can do a couple of patients usually yeah and then you sort of save yourself the work if you see what i mean if they've got similar drugs that they've been exposed to um but yes you can't sort of do it the night before fair Mm. enough excellent so look annabelle we (laughs) Myself in particular, we've both really enjoyed our chat today and can appreciate, I really appreciate the time that you've generously given. Um, We're not quite done though yet. So before we sign off, I would love to ask you what you've learned in anaesthesia this week. Okay. Well, I found this the most difficult question to answer. (laughs) I've been racking my brains, but just my general. That's us every single week. (laughs) Adosh or whatever is to... You know, basically, you can always add more, for example, drugs, um, but you can't take them out. So don't be too so heavy-handed. true. Mm. And also, for testing purposes... <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. Just give what you need at induction. <laughs> <laughs> and save us some time. <laughs> I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh, but that's awesome. Well, Annabelle, thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate your time and expertise. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you so much for joining us on what has been a really important topic. As always, you can contact us at deepbreathspod at gmail.com. We'd love it if you could spread the word to follow us on your favourite podcast platform and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. And if you know someone that you think would be a great interviewee or have a topic that you'd like us to cover, please feel free to let us know. Thanks for listening and we hope you can join us next time on Deep Breaths. Deep Breaths.